Hi everybody, this is Brendan Hauser with Evoke Bike. Welcome to Bike Radio, where in this episode we're going to talk about short ride durations when you only have 30 to 50 minutes. What intervals would I do? Some of you might already know this answer. Number two, are does anyone else feel like there's a lot of only zone two gurus, people talking only about endurance riding? I had an athlete that, actually this might have been somebody from YouTube that made a comment that, I don't know, we're going to talk about this for a second. Number three what do you do when you know that you're giving up space in a race too easily and how does experience help you close this gap pun intended metrics that might be messing with any of our heads during training especially when coming back from some time off and rest week periods so if you just found this video for the first time the evoke bike channel and you're like what the hell is bike radio this is me talking about training whether it's my own racing, athlete questions, questions from the YouTube channel, people that email them from the podcast. It's sort of a potpourri of topics that don't all deserve their own individual video, but come together to make a nice long video. If you like talking about training and racing with your friends, this might be the type of show that you enjoy. On the other side, you might have seen one of our shorter, more focused videos just on over-unders or best VO2 max intervals or how to increase your FTP, et cetera, et cetera. Those are shorter, 8 to 12 minutes. If you only like those, this might not be for you. And then the third topic is really the interview series where we have world tour athletes, Olympians, other coaches, nutritionists, just people that are willing to come on the show, drop gems of knowledge, and help us all get faster. So let's get into this one. And if you could do us a huge favor and share the video or share the podcast, if you find it helpful, some of you post it on Instagram, you know, you kind of post our post to your story that helps us so much. And if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, please leave a five star review and click follow on Spotify helps us a ton. And we really appreciate it. So one thing before we even get into this, we talk a lot about consistency, year-over-year year gains. You know, I like to drop the statement that if you're three years into training, you're still a newbie, and that's not a diss. That should be exciting because I remember being three years in and thinking, I'm probably at where I'm at. And at age almost 42, I just said an eight-minute PR out of nowhere last week on some intervals that was like, wow. If you would have told me where I'd be now, how many years ago, 12 years ago, I'd be three years in, I wouldn't have believed it. And so the reason I say all this is not to pat myself on the back, but keep riding strong, not only for this season, but for years down the road. And I say this now as we're recording this towards the end of August, because a lot of people, I shouldn't say a lot of people, but a handful of people do not take base training seriously. And you will make so many gains for the upcoming season if you take your aerobic training to heart. And it just makes such a huge difference. Um, you know, I'll even jump into, this is a kind of a segment of, before we hit the short ride durations, somebody made a comment on the Andy Coggin video saying, no one advises only doing zone two riding. And I said, you know, one thing, and they kind of were digging into Andy a little bit. And I said, hey, I don't, I don't follow him a ton aside from the podcast that he was on, and I've read his book a bunch of times, but I think his point is looking at the hyper-obsession with Zone 2 right now. Zone 2, endurance riding. I have a video on why ride endurance. It is extremely important, but it seems like there's thought leaders, especially some guys on Twitter that are, I don't know why, it's like they only talk about that now, and they will say things like, do all aerobic training and then like go see God every once in a while or like you go hard once in a while. 
I really think this is misleading and, and, and not very helpful because what does randomly go hard mean? Uh, most athletes that are following these people don't know what that means. And it's kind of like, I really feel they're taking it out of context because even sometimes they'll point to maybe a pro athlete that they have an affiliation with and they don't talk that this pro athlete's racing like every other weekend. So they're getting loads of intensity in two days, three days, stage races. And if you look at their distribution of training, yes, it's a lot of aerobic training, but it's not just go see God every once in a while. It's not specific enough for us, especially as amateur athletes, that if we actually are listening to this to use as race preparation, I find it very confusing. Maybe I'm the only one. Maybe I'm not understanding their message correctly, but this is what bike radio is about, like just talking about topics. Plan your intensity just as much as you plan your aerobic fitness. Take the intense sessions just as seriously as you take the aerobic ones. Because if you don't, that's when I found myself falling into the, oh, well, I'm not that fatigued. I'm going to ride this endurance ride a little bit harder. I'm going to maybe not do this threshold session as super threshold. I'm just going to ride longer and harder. And you feel like you're doing a lot of work. And it kind of points back to when Jens Reinders from Israel Premier Tech was on. He's like, man, when I fell into the whole deal of doing tons of sweet spot, I could ride pretty damn fast for a really long time, but I could not race. And so I just think it's a good reminder. And I I don't want to come across as knocking these guys on Twitter. They have their own MO as to why they're preaching this. But I think for those of us that want to race a bike and are doing it at an amateur level and maybe aren't racing every weekend, you need to do the intervals, you need to do the work, and it's more than just go see God once in a while. So that's my thought on it. I'm going to stick to that because, and maybe I'm just a little uh, sensitive to it because that's what I did for two months of just riding a lot of endurance, and I definitely was not race ready. And I probably rode too much of it, to be fair, but that's kind of what they preach more and more, more volume, more volume. And it's the right amount of volume with the right amount of intensity at the right amount at the right time to make us our fastest. So got this email, shout out, this guy was from Switzerland. I love getting, I love obviously my American counterparts, but I love getting these emails from Europe. He said, Hey man, Brendan, some days I can only fit in a really short ride, 30 to maximum 50 minutes. Can you give me an idea of what workouts you would recommend? Sometimes I just do a set of hard starts or some kind of short over-unders. Some days I just can't do anything hit style. Should I just ride zone two, maybe tempo? I train 12 to 15 hours a week though. Greetings from Switzerland. Love the content. Love the blog. Thank you. So let's take a quick pause. You probably know the answer. What is my favorite short interval session? It is whatever interval session you have in your training plan and you cut down the time of endurance afterwards, right? Like if you have, there's not many workouts since I don't prescribe, hey, go ride sweet spot for an hour and a half. I used to, it did not make my athletes faster. I This could be its own caveat. What I used to coach with with sweet spot when everybody was like all raved out about it never made athletes that want to race a bike faster it made people who want to do sweet spot efforts really good at those and that's a whole different discussion but what what do i mean by this do your warm-up do the quote-unquote work and then get off the bike if you have five minutes for a cool down do it if you don't get out like get out and walking around your house is going to cool you down i mean do what you can There's no particular session that should be scheduled because of time constraints. It all depends on what you're physiologically working on. 
functional threshold power, VO2 max, anaerobic capacity. Like, you know what I mean? So I just said, about, hey, does that make sense? He's like, that does. He's like, I was thinking that just sometimes I feel that if I have an endurance ride scheduled, that would be okay at two hours, but it's not okay at an hour. I mean, it's two hours is better if it's the right amount of total work that you can handle and absorb. All this training is putting a stimulus on our body so that we can react to it. We can definitely tank ourselves too much and we can also on the other side not do enough. Look at your plan, look at where you're going, look at your training distribution. Are you doing enough hard stuff? Are you doing enough easy stuff? Are you doing enough endurance? And then what can you do in this 50 minutes? So it just requires some planning and that's totally fine. All right, giving up, I love this question. This actually came from the United Arab Emirates. All right, Brendan, I tend to give up space too easily and I'm definitely cognizant of. This is something that I want to work on, but how? Another question is, how do I identify when someone's going to take off? How to save energy only for important moves? I just feel like there's so much to learn. The reason I want to start doing a lot of races this season is that, excuse me, the only reason I want to do so many races this season is for experience alone. I feel the more I race or the more I'm in race-like situations like smash fest rides, I will get better at them. Bingo. Now, there is a balance here. I do not believe that only doing group rides, only smashing, only racing, that's so fatiguing. If you're doing that three times a week, it's too much. You're never actually gonna be then at your fastest for those moments. And we talked about in another bike radio, how to save your hard efforts for maybe later in the race when everyone's going ham and really squeeze the juice from that. And, and go watch that video about the Boone Grand Fondo, Winston Salem crit and some other uh, topics. But giving up space, this definitely comes with practice. And you need to, first off, understand protecting your space. Other riders can smell weakness or I can see your lack of confidence if I'm coming over and I'm basically pushing you out of the way and you let me do that, don't do that. Don't let me do that. Don't let anybody do that. You And if you see me coming, you can just be like, yo, dude, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, okay, this guy's going to protect his wheel. Like he's watching. He's where he wants to be and he's not budging. So that's a, a very important piece to it, being able to establish your ground and maintain it. Now, how do you move in is simply just the flip side. Number one, see if someone's going to be super soft and just let you take a wheel. If you can't, maybe you need to shuffle back a few people. Or maybe if you're, don't be that rider who's trying to like cut into a team who's riding together. You know, other people call it composition riding. That's not cool. That's, that's very irritating. You won't make friends doing that. So I think getting like trying to stay on his question how do you not give up space literally just don't do that you need to be you know practice your drafting if you're giving up a lot of space and creating a hole for someone to squeeze into i mean there's your answer you're just not riding close enough behind the other rider you're basically signaling to someone else that hey i'm i'm weak i'm not confident and if you're not confident you need to do it by this guy's right by practicing it, practice with your friends, practicing group rides, and it comes with experience. I have had a number of athletes that 
they have so many questions in the beginning. I said, you just got to go race. When you have experience, then we can come back and talk more about it. It's like, and no diss to the 22-year-olds, that when I went back to grad school to get my MBA, I was laughing to myself, not at them, but kids that just came out of college and were in a business course, and it's like, you haven't even had a real job yet. Your experience is all theory. You have no practical experience. And so naturally, I would just kind of give more credence to adults that we're talking because they had experience that we could build off and those building blocks are paramount and that transfers over to sports like cycling. Go get experience, talk to your coach, talk to your training buddy about it then. Now, how do you identify when someone else is going to take off? And again, I wish there was a better answer, but getting the experience and doing the right thing and the wrong thing will help you. You'll chase sometimes when you shouldn't and you realize what that felt like and how that scenario unfolding like ooh, that wasn't the right move to chase because everybody came and we got countered or i didn't realize that you know they were weaker riders and all the teams were behind me i should have taken inventory of who they were in the race like who was playing what card um you i think that if you take mental notes and even write it down in a notebook what did you learn? Make yourself answer what three things did I learn from this race? You will amass a lot of information that will be so beneficial down the road. It's really hard to dial it in, obviously, through a bike radio episode because there's so many variables. But ask yourself, when in the race is this happening? Who is going? How many people are going? Can you tell the composition of the team? Like, are you in a category where there's a lot of teams? And then also, like, what's remaining on the course? Not only is there a big climb at the end, is there only five miles to go? That's different than if there's 60 miles to go. All these factors play in that as you go race, and shout out to G-Tour, Genesee Valley Cycling Club, I got to do these 40-mile races every Tuesday night and learn what does it mean if I'm chasing a group or, excuse me, never chase the break. You either bridge the break or you wait till somebody else chases it down for you. If I bridge this break now with 35 miles to go, the story unfolds differently than if I'm trying to bridge to a break with seven miles to go. So play those all out and go get experience, go ride with other people, ride with faster people. And don't forget, this is a really good rule of, I don't know if it should be thirds, I should think about this, but I think I've been told this in life with mentors in business, like always try and reach up to a third of people that are above you. That's tr- what I'm trying to do with these podcasts. The people that come on, these world tour athletes, Olympians, coach, like it's insane the people that are spending time with us to come share their knowledge. Then ride with your peers. I ride with my friends, I ride with my teammates, I ride with my cat ones, I ride with my masters riders, and then also hopefully try and reach down a third of the time. Who's the cat for that doesn't know much and you can help out in your community? Okay, next topic And you know what? I don't run ads on these and people are like, you need to run ad. Here's my ad. Ketones. Delta G ketones. Get the coupon, the discount code. Tactical is amazing. And if you're not using Lact, if some people, ah, I love the email. I finally tried Lactigo. Wow. I should have tried that when you started talking about this in 2019, was it? Try it. Okay. Ads over. Metrics messing with our head. And then we'll get into rest week periods. This athlete was coming back and had made a comment of how great he felt and how he's missed riding and 
He was upset at himself that he let this slip. And I was like, dude, this is life. You had some things going on. Just come back. But he kept making the comment of how heart rate was really messing with his head. And then he started taking the heart rate strap off. So now you're not going to collect data that we don't really need heart. We can get, I mean, he's not doing these, he's not doing intervals or anything. It's like, we're just getting back going, but don't not collect data because you don't like the data, right? It's a simple calculation. You're not fit. So your heart rate's high. That's it. Do you know what will be nice to watch the heart rate go down? So, I mean, my FTP right now is 20 watts lower in WKO than what I know it could be or if I overly focused on going out to try to crush this 25 minute effort, let's say to change a freaking number in WKO and I'm insane enough to want to do that, but I know that's not gonna help me with my races coming up. So just let it go. I'm riding well, I feel good. Like we, even though I exploded on the Blue Ridge Brutal um, uh, Grand Fondo, had an amazing four hours of power. Like road race power is back for me, which is something that I did not think I would see this season. And I'm really thankful for. Thank you to Landry for being my coach and getting me back on the straight and narrow and not just riding myself into the ground and riding too much endurance. But just be okay and don't get, I don't know what the, the word, the polite word for mind eft is, but don't let that play tricks with your mind, okay? Go just try and win a race. Go um, and this is for people that once you get back to be fit, I'm not saying this to the guy who is just coming back, you're not going to win a race, but go get little wins, go find success in some aspect of it. And don't let something like heart rate mess with you. All right. This last question, we might talk about momentum. I can't remember if I post this one, this guy was asking about, Hey, I'm not sure if this has been discussed, but we use weeks as time intervals to organize our lives, including our training for obvious and sensible reasons. But what's the actual rest period that would be the benefit, the maximal benefit to most people? I know we're all different and people seem to use one week periods as their rest period when on average have the adaptations maybe occurred during the rest. Wait, what do you say? When on average have the adaptations oh, that are supposed to occur during a rest period mostly occurred at five days, nine days, or is it so inexact that it really makes no difference? So I don't, there's no specific answer to this, but what I do want to point out that I think is important, obviously rest periods are individualized, but I would add that most athletes, when I've asked them in the comments and like, Hey, when do you feel ready to go back to training is after about three days, but they're still a little bit under recovered. And we feel ready because I think our last reference point to fatigue is when we were just at the end of the block and very fatigued. We forget, we become accustomed to that feeling through the last week that what true freshness is, we haven't really hit yet, but we feel fresher. So we feel like we're fresh. We're getting the ers and ist and er, you know, our baseline is kind of out of whack. So I, I say, hey, please go through the full five days of rest. I have toyed with, and I've had a coach before that had said, let's just resume training when you feel good. And it was literally like after three days I was ready. And I found, I was like, hey, can you not let me do this? Because I'm then finding myself two and a half weeks later, really tired and not riding well. And so just take, you don't, you're not like I've posted rest weeks. You can look up our rest week blog, the protocol that I follow. And I, you know, kind of changed it up for some athletes. Go the full five days. You're not totally off, but really focused on recovery. And that 
95% of the time works very well for people. Now you've got to tweak it. If you've got a race coming up, if you've got a big mega ride scheduled and for you got to rest, then, um, you know, you might need to do an endurance ride the day before. So you're not totally stale going in. Chris, my husband asked me, he's like, you cramp. That's weird. You don't usually talk about cramping. I told him, oh, well, I had a rust week. He said, well, why would you do a rust week before an event? And I said, well, here's the deal. I needed to rest. I really wanted to go support the Blue Ridge Brutal. It's a event I haven't been to. It's local. If I didn't rest this week, I'd be going into Masters Nationals not rested. Sometimes you need to sacrifice performance. And it, was it smart to go and smash super hard with Landry for three to four hours to then cramp like crazy with an hour to go? No, but that's way more specific training to the races I do have left over than... And this is kind of like going on a tangent of why you have to train through some events. I had to rest. I mean, if I wanted to ride easy for five hours, I could do that on my own. I wanted to take the motivation of people chasing and go smash. And the penalty was I died. <laughs> so when the four guys rode past me, I was like, hey, guys. And they were like, not hammering, but like there, there weren't many waves. And it was just like I tried to latch on and I was like, no cramping. See ya. <laughs> Saw at the finish line. Like it is what it is. So... Get your rest in when you need to get the rest in. And sometimes you can't you can't be good at every event or you'll be good, but not your best. All right, last thing. This one is, we're at 20 minutes? Okay, not bad. I had an athlete who said to me, he's, he's super strong, dude. And we're trying to get his consistency nailed. And he said, I need you to help me keep this momentum going. I think this is an interesting topic because sometimes athletes, when they get a coach, think that a coach is going to make magic happen. I love Jim Miller who said, I don't love Jim Miller. I love what he said though. He's the head of performance for USA Cycling. We've had some chats. I've talked to him a few years ago too. And I've been, I try to look around for mentors in the space to help me just grow as a coach and, and grow for evoke sake and he was saying and he said this on a podcast you know remember you're just a consultant the athlete is the ceo and you as the athlete myself as the athlete not landry's not running my show like i have to take ownership of this and while i lean on him for conversations i lean on him for confidence in my training plan i lean on him for understanding when do i need to pull back when do i go a little bit more different types of sessions for not, for not getting in the rut of doing what I just want to do, for making me do the hard sessions on days that I don't want to do them. But I said to this guy who said, hey, you need, this is like a little bit more, esoteric's not the word, um, this is a little bit more, I don't know what this is called, momentum, what is that? Like the mindset or the, um, I'm, I'm struggling here. With that momentum, I'm always going to be here to encourage this athlete as best as I can, but he needs to look inside for true momentum, for true momentum to keep going as an athlete. We need to own this and we need to go forward in a way that we push ourselves forward. We push ourselves out the door when we don't want to go. We wake up, we eat the right foods, we sleep well, we take care of ourselves as an athlete that we want to become. Not only who we are, but where we want to go. I'm training now at 41 because I hope that I have you know, the health and wellness to do this at 48, at 54, who knows? Always ask yourself as the athlete, why are you doing this? Where's your energy coming from this or for this? Where is your drive coming from? 
It can't be for me. That's not sustainable. Don't do it for your coach. You need to be doing this for yourself. And you'll have other external things like a team or a big race or a big event that will pull you forward, but you need to do the pushing. So get out there. Don't do this for external validation. Do this for yourself. Understand as the athlete, why are we going through this? And, you know, go ride your bike, have fun, love doing it. And I think the last comment I'll make on this, I might put this out in audio. I'm If you've listened to this channel before, you know that I don't love templates for the many reasons of there's so many variables in training and putting your schedule together that it's impossible to make a time. I've tried to make really good templates. And what I did last year that I want to say maybe 70 people tried this out. I took what used to be five blocks to racing, which I had put together in people on the internet asked me, hey, will you help us out make this template? I made it. It's really hard to make a base template because some people are indoors, some people are outside, some people are going to want to ride long tempo, some people are going to want to do more endurance, some people have group. There's just like 80 variables. So what I did last year is I went through and I put in how would I do this if I was indoors, if I was outdoors, if I needed more anaerobic training as we got close to racing, as I made more aerobic training. And in the, I forget what I called it. It's like base to race. It's our template on training peak store. I put it up for $8 a week. And I think in going back, somebody said, why don't you put the audio out as a podcast? Because you don't give away the whole plan because some people have paid for it. And I would feel badly of someone who spent 160 bucks on something. And then I put it out for free. That's not cool. But the audio doesn't show everything, but it gives you a sense and a way to like think about your base training. Because for a lot of people in North America, it's going to be November, December, January, and then February, March are like build slash racing. Ever since moving south, you know, I am going to be at Swam Classic this year. I have missed this race for stupid reasons before. February 4th, I think it is. In tw- I already actually emailed Tim from Top. He was like, hey, man, when is this race? I need to kick off the season early this year. Um, there's a lot of racing I want to do. So I'm talking to Landry now. Like, hey, when? what's your base plans for me? Because I want it to be November, December. And anyways, I think I might post that as an audio. So be on the lookout for that. I hope that would help you ask yourself questions for the self-coach athletes out there. How do you put it together? And then it would be a good sort of jumping off discussion point for you and your training buddy of how you guys collaborate and how you girls collaborate into making a training schedule. Oh, and then my last point for the podcast, someone asked me, hey, you interview mostly guys. Can you get some women on? I am trying. Um, It must be coincidence, but I have been stood up, like literally sitting at my computer and they don't show up for a podcast more often than from women than by guys. Or they bail on me at the last second. And I obviously, I don't know as many women pro cyclists to reach out to. I am definitely trying. Some don't even respond to me on Instagram if I hit them up, which is fine. They they don't owe me anything. Um, But I want athletes, especially our female athletes that are listening, I'm trying, I will get some, you have my word on that. I'm not trying to make this a male dominated podcast. It's just who I've had more access with. And, um, yeah, so that's the last point. Again, if you're listening and you, and this helps you, please post it on Instagram or something or on, you know, Facebook or Twitter. Our Twitter presence is terrible. And I don't know, Maybe it's just because we joined so late, but we have no followers and most people don't engage with our tweets, so I don't put a ton of time into it. 
Uh, thanks for listening. Hopefully you get fast from this one and we'll talk to you soon. Tell your friends.